When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Franny Benali. This is Klaus Lundekvam. I'm Matt Letizier. Dean Hammond's here. And you're listening to In That Number. Here is with me, Kevin, the Moscow Mush Milverton, and Ray Hunt. Find me on Twitter at Moscow Mush, and my co-host Ray Hunt at Ray Hunt 84 Follow the show at Number Podcasts on Twitter, in that Number Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. If you've got any questions for the show, if you can be bothered, send us an email to inthatnumberpodcast at gmail.com. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes, or wherever it is you get your podcasts. Share, subscribe, and give us good vibes. Let's go. Welcome back to another episode of In That Number. This is episode 150. Curb your enthusiasm. How very fitting. Uh, And the first of a new era for us. We have officially joined the Sports Social Podcast Network. Uh, Exciting news to open the show with. Not so exciting was the performance at Villa Park. And of course, we've got no Kevin this week, but we do have a ready-made replacement for you. Tim Bazance steps into the void that Kevin has left for this week. Um, Tim, we got a jam-packed episode this week. We got a you know our three-one FA Cup victory over West Ham to talk through. Um, our trip to Villa Park three days later. Um, we also have two games next week, welcoming Newcastle on Thursday night, uh, followed by Watford on the Sunday. Firstly, Tim, mixed week, uh, progression in the cup, and then crashing back down to earth out of the blue, really with that eye-opening defeat to Aston Villa. How how are you from that? It's back to reality. So yeah. to me, I mean, just seeing it, looking through it, uh, it just feels like it's like back to being a normal Saints fan at this point. So the last month, absolutely fantastic on cloud nine. But you got to realize that uh, with, the good ki- with the good times come the solemn times. And it made me really appreciate the fact that the month of February was such a fantastic month for us, where... Now, uh, it is reality has set in. Yeah, and we can only go through these little periods, can't we, at times? So yeah, you have a good month, and then you have a bad month, and then you have a good month. But to come crashing down like that with a 4-0 loss is just, well, that's, that's, that's hard to take. Because, I mean, we've been difficult to beat. And even, you know, our last loss to Wolves, we were difficult. 
to beat, and they only just got through. But this one, I mean, we were just weren't at the races at all, were we? It's just complete domination from Villa. Absolutely. Watching it and seeing it, there was definitely elements that we've had of the previous month, and I feel like they gave us a bunch of possession, too, along the way. So it just felt like that every time that they got the ball, when they did, they were going to do something with it, whereas when we had it, it, it wasn't working for us. It wasn't there. It, something was wrong, and... It just didn't work, it didn't work out because when we had 62% of the possession, when they get, when they literally just gave us the ball and have it, we're, we didn't make anything with it, and especially in the final third. Yeah, that's very, very telling. And to see our defense collapse as it did is, is something that, well, it's something that we, we, it's hard to take, like I said, and we'll, we'll have to discuss it at length in a bit. Uh, but before we get into that, um, firstly, how are you personally? You know, how, how's your week been? Uh, it's been all over the place positive and negative is just like anything else when you're in the real world and having a real world job but uh here in north carolina there is the uh solemnness now that is coach k uh, he retired and if you are a duke fan which some people are it's a sad day especially for the lost but for many 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 others out there uh, they are very much happy to see the pageantry be over and that with him finally retiring he is no more of a problem to dominate uh, the college basketball landscape. So uh, Chapel Hill was very lively last night, and uh, it was a unique experience to see such pure hatred on a level that is that is UNC and Duke basketball. Yeah, I mean, I saw somewhere in the week that those tickets for that last game were going up more expensive than, than Super Bowl, which is really, really hard to believe. Uh, no, not really, because they they had overall, it was like 100 fans or so that they, or excuse me, 100 former players that they had, and there was tons and tons of celebrities who wanted to get tickets to the game uh, that were there, and there's just all this level of pageantry, and then the stadium's only 9,500 people. So that's what it's something that they've always had. I mean, it's literally a shoebox. It's some certain high school gyms, like my high school gym was probably 8,000 people could fit in it. So while I did go to a very large high school, it's just crazy to think about that. Um, it's such a small, a small area. And yeah, it was like $5,500 for the average, the average ticket, which is much, much more than most Super Bowls. Yes, that's crazy. I wouldn't be paying that, that's for sure. <laughs> I wouldn't pay that for a Super Bowl either, but yeah. Um, as I said to you off air, I feel absolutely terrible today. Um, headache, backache, shoulders ache. Uh, I've got a cough as well, so if I, if I am coughing, I apologize. Um, I have taken a test and I am negative, so, um, yeah, I march on. On we go with the ITN news. Are you ready for this? Let's do it. This is ITN In That Number News. Okay, we start with some bright news uh, this week then. Uh, Premier League nominations for all categories, player, goal and manager of the month for February. Uh, That's fantastic. All well deserved. So Shea Adams is up for player of the month. Aurelio Romeo up for goal of the month for that wonder strike against Norwich. And of course, Ralph uh, and the team's wonderful month uh, gets the recognition it deserves. All categories, you know, we can't be ignored for them. But, uh, Tim, what chances do you think we have for picking up any of these gongs? Uh, I think Ralph is a good shout. Uh, I don't think Che is going to get it, and I definitely don't think Romero is going to get it. Um, <laughs> so, Ralph. The be- so the best chance you think is going to be Ralph? Yes, I do. Well, I don't know, see. I mean, the goal of the month, you've got Zaha, Mopé, Ronaldo, Mane, 
Gallagher, Romeu, Son and Cash. I don't know, there's some good goals there, but I think Romeu's got a chance, to be honest. And the player, I mean, he's up against, Shea Adams up against Ryan Fraser, Harry Kane, Joel Matip, Ben Mee, Wilfred Zaha. I think Shea has a chance there, you know. I think, you know, three goals, three important goals. You know, he got the winner at Spurs, equaliser against Man United and kick things off against Norwich. I think Kane will probably win that because, you know, of his performance in that big game against Man City. That's what the league will look at, really, won't they? Um, but, I mean, he scored more goals than any of those people, apart from Kane in that week, but um, that month, sorry. I think he's got a chance. And then manager, I think Klopp's going to win that, you know, undefeated, won't they, Liverpool? So, yeah, as were we. But it's, whenever you're in doubt, I think the Premier League always gives it to the top six teams. Like I mean, well, Arteta, Ralph, Eddie Howe and Klopp. I don't think Eddie Howe and Ralph are going to be in the conversation at all. I just think Klopp's going to run away with that one. We'll find out when, we, when it comes, when the voting comes in. We certainly will. Um, so, yeah, please go and vote. Um, I've done mine. I'm assuming you've done yours. That is correct. Good man, good man. And as a result of that FA Cup fifth round win over West Ham, we have the pleasure of hosting Man City in the quarters. What's your initial thoughts on that one? Well, it was a good cup run when we had it. <laughs> exactly. We enjoyed it while we could. Yeah. Uh, I mean, with our form up until ye- yesterday, it was we could have tackled anybody. And we're fortunate enough that we've played against uh, – we're playing against another Premier League side that we were able to take the draws both games this year. So seeing how we were able to beat West Ham and we tied them as well going into the, the FA Cup game, we knew we had a chance and we knew what we could do against them. Now, this is even uh, on a grand, grander scale against City, but who knows? Anything anything can happen. Uh, I'm just scared that he'll put out a rotated lineup and we won't get as lucky as West Ham just kind of shit in the bed. Yeah, I mean... I mean, our home form is still intact, right? Even if we did get battered yesterday, but, you know, and I'm pleased we did get drawn at home. And like you said, they haven't beat us this season. We are still in form at home. Uh, we have to believe that we can take them and give them a game. You know, Pep, Pep will want his guys to be ruthless in, in this knockout style of football, but, you know, still trophy hunting on three fronts. And, they, you know, I think the FA Cup would be bottom of his priorities. At the same time, you know, Pep will will not want them to get complacent. But, I mean, I'm definitely feeling a lot better about this tie than I would have been if it had been, you know, like the third round in January or whatever. But there's a chance. There's a small chance. Yeah, I'll give us 25% chance to to push through. So yeah, I'd agree. With uh, that. Better than better than I would have, uh, ex- like you said, ex- better than I would have expected based on our form if we were back in the uh, back in even back in January uh, when the first when they first came out. So seeing that there's going to be a lot going into it, they're going to rotate the side. I expect Grealish to play. I expect WordPress to try to rile up Grealish, and that's my uh, my mo- thing I'm looking most forward to for that. Uh, but it's not it's not fun to play City. Anytime, anywhere, any place, regardless of the tournament. <laughs> that, that's that's correct. That's what I would say anyway. Lone watch, not really a lot going on with our loanies at the moment. A lot of them not playing through through injury or for whatever reason the manager doesn't want to. I mean, Jake Vokens on the bench for Ross County yesterday. Uh, Dino Simi did play for Carlisle and another yellow card for him. That's three in three weeks now. Um, but they did get a massive three points on the road at Oldham, a 94th minute winner. So they have moved right out of that relegation. Just happens at the same time that Simeu joined them. So, yeah, good news for him. Uh, and the B team, they have not played since that 4-2 win over Nottingham Forest. 
Um, and next up for them, Tim, they have to go to, uh, to Aston Villa <laughs> on Friday the 11th. Uh, that's next Friday at a 2 p.m. kickoff. So, yeah, I'm fed up with Villa at the moment. But the B teams have got to go to Birmingham and try and do what we couldn't. Women, they, of course, I mean, you must have seen they got knocked out at the FA Cup in the fifth round against league rivals Ipswich. But that, you know, incredible effort. Nil-nil after 90 minutes. Ipswich took the lead in extra time, only for Saints keeper Kayla Rendell to nod home from a corner in the last minute of extra time. Such drama. But then, of course, they go out 4-2 on penalties. Desperately unlucky. Great fight in them, but just coming up a little bit short. Um, And they play their next game today, Sunday the 6th. Um, and that is at home to Crawley Wasps in the National League Cup. And that's a 2 p.m. kickoff. Dean Hammond here. Thank you for tuning in to In That Number. OK, then we start uh, with West Ham at home in the FA Cup. A 3-1 win. A very, very good win. Goals from Roman Perro, James Ward-Prowse from the penalty spot and Armando Broya sealing the deal for us Um Mikel Antonio scored for West Ham. Tim, the starters, that <laughs> caused for some concern when the team sheet was released. And, you know, I looked at the West Ham team first, to be honest, because I wanted to see how serious they were taking it. I saw they were going for pretty much a full-strength side. Um, Ralph opting to make nine changes. Only James Ward-Prowse and Kyle Walker-Peters keeping their places. Um, lots of grumbles around the ground beforehand, but decision vindicated in the end. Yeah, I was fucking pissed when he when that came out because I was really hoping for a, a not so much rotated. I was looking for maybe three, potentially four, not a f- complete full rotation. And so going into it, I come out of a work meeting and all of a sudden the game has started and I see the lineup and I'm just like, what the hell? Come on, this is gonna be this is gonna be trash. And it wasn't. And, uh, yes, vindicated is the correct term because I was pleasantly surprised that we did what we were able to do then. We were saying last week that this is a real chance for us in the cup. We really need to take this, you know, more seriously than the, than the league at this point because you think we're safe. We're not going to go much higher. We just want to keep out of danger in the league, really. Um, the league, uh, sorry, the cup is something that we should be, you know, really focusing our, our top line on top strength team and it wasn't to be you know they changed everything but yeah I was um I wasn't as I, I suppose I wasn't as, as bad as, as a lot of other people around the ground because I, I mean I, I was predicting that we'd lose the game anyway um, and I saw the team line up and thought okay it just means we're not going to get that chance to get into extra time and we're just going to lose a close fought game but you know Ralph made the right decision it it, it speaks volumes of the confidence of the team that you can change that many players and still put in a performance like that against a strong, solid West Ham side. Um, But it was quite, I mean, I don't know how you saw it, but I thought it was quite a nervy start. I thought West Ham probably had the better of the chances. And there was Bowen had a sniff and Suchek had one deflected wide. I think Bowen then had a header that just went over. And it looked like West Ham were exploiting the weaknesses of our back line and I wasn't feeling confident at this point. Yeah, they were sniffing about. So on the, on their side, they had their full team or practically their full team. I think Ariola is the only person that uh, was not a non-traditional starter for the game that they that they put out there. So they were sniffing us out, and they were able to have that gel, that 
coagulated feeling where they're able to just kind of know where everybody's going to be at, know the fluidity of their pass, uh, wherever they need to go, know where everyone's going to be. And we were a little disjointed because I feel like they were, it's a side that we would have put out as like the B squad that you would find, uh, on, on, in practice. It'd be the A and the B and this would be the B team that'd be out there. So seeing that, we were trying to figure it all out and fortunately we didn't give up that early goal. And that was what eventually we were able to uh, slide into it, slide into the positions where we needed to go and recognize that the, the wings were the, the places to attack. So Walker Peters and then eventually Lippermento alongside Perot were the absolute danger in the game, uh, for their team. And so figuring that all out, uh, Moyes was not able to adapt and going through our back line, which was the, the best part of our, of our team there, uh, was crazy to think about that by saying that they're the best. I'm just pleasantly surprised and thankful that the way it turned out to be. Yeah, and it's interesting that you say that um, we didn't, you know, we stopped them from scoring the early goal. I, I do think if they had a scored that first goal, then it would have been a different outcome. I'm pretty sure of that. Um, and, you know, we only had half chances and they were wayward at best. I mean, I, I recall a shot from Adam Armstrong, which didn't really go anywhere near the goal. I mean, it was sloppy play at the back, you know, in our possession. I felt very, very nervous there early doors. But then that moment of magic came just after the half hour and, Perot with a 30-yarder. What what a way to open your account. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I feel like West Ham was thinking they were still playing Kidderminster. <laughs> they were like, oh, these, these guys aren't going to be able to put up, put up against us. Well, turns out they are wrong because Perot has got a 35-yard screamer in, in his pocket because we saw that against the – I believe it was the game prior where he hit the crossbar. I think it was Norwich, yeah. Yeah, and actually, Kev mentions then, he said that I think Perot's got a screamer in coming soon, and, and here it was. So Kevin called that. <laughs> absolutely oh it's uh it was absolutely fantastic and it was just he just found the pocket and knew that he could do it and um to me now with that in combination of also um i mean just the last month or so i'm gonna say his transfer is a hit this year uh i'm gonna i'm going to say that his depth his ability to to gel into what is the premier league from pl- coming over from Brest, uh i i think he's been he's fantastic that entire game me too. I agree with you. Yeah, and it's it's nice to see him getting getting that gold, and and he's feeling the love from the fans now, which is which is something great. At the break, Tim, I don't know if you heard this, but the PA announcer was playing some cat themed songs, which was just awesome. I think we heard um, "Call for Cats," um, "Love Cats," um, which was absolutely brilliant as a as a way of uh winding up Kurt Zuma some more. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. <laughs> I think that's the modern day, that's the, the version of trolling, correct? In real that life, is right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I thought it was excellent. Qu- yeah, quick quick story. So back when I was in college, uh, Cam Newton, he's a former quarterback uh, yeah, in the NFL. And the, the story is, is Auburn uh, recruited him and they recruited him in the amount of money was $200,000 it was to recruit him to get to Auburn. So when they played at Alabama at the end of the year, which is the Iron Bowl and uh, Auburn is in Alabama, they the PA announcer kept playing "Take the Money and Run" <laughs> over over the PA and got and and got fired because of it. Oh, come on! Yeah. I thought it was great banter, but it, they didn't they didn't like it so much. So yeah, he got let go. Probably worth it though. I mean, to, to this day that. 
that story is, you know, that's, that's over a decade now and I remember it. So he made his mark and he did what he needed to do. And I'm telling about us, I'm telling it on a podcast about Southampton football club compared Perfect. to, yeah. Perfect. So go out, go out like that. That's great. Yeah. Well, RPA announcer has not been sacked. So that, that's good. Um, and the second half, Tim, it started a lot better. I think, I think we started to press that advantage and that goal definitely helped us settle down a little bit more and knowing that West Ham weren't really going to, well, they weren't attacking as much as they probably were from nil nil. Um, Ward Prowse came close. Um, but then, I mean, I, I don't know if you remember, I said this last week that I get nervous when we're defending corners still to this day, and, and despite our incredible form. And this is exactly why. I said that the Norwich game, I said if we were going to concede, it would be a stupid penalty or it's going to be a corner. Um, and, you know, this is what happened here. The corners come in and I could, you know, at the ground, I was just, oh, here it comes. Here it comes. And Caballero makes a mess of it. It falls to the feet of Antonio, who can't miss. And then, you know suddenly our predictions are looking like they were going to come true. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to pull up five from their roster right now. That's Craig Dawson, Kurt Zuma, Issa Diop, uh, Thomas Suchek, and, and Mikhail Antonio. Those five, if you put them on the uh, put them on a corner, you're talking, I would say, arguably top three in the Premier League right there to handle corners and, and, and off of dead ball plays. Uh, Dawson is underrated in the air. Zuma has been fantastic, uh, while at kicking cats and heading balls, uh, alongside <laughs> Diab and Suchek is, you know, he's, you know, I said it last week. He's just a, he's just a, he's a, he's a fighter. Yeah, he's a nuisance. There you go. That's a good word. So he's a fighter. And then Mikel Antonio is just, he's just mad. I mean, he's so, so strong. So it's tough, especially with, a little bit disjointed of a, of a defense. And so while I'm not blaming them, I'm actually, I want to compliment West Ham on their ability to do that. I could see why you would be nervous, but when you put out those five players, uh, I would have been nervous if Salisu and Bednarik and, um, hell, if you had Salisu, Bednarik and Stevens in, I still would be nervous playing against them when it comes to their corners. But I mean, despite that, it was a Caballero mistake. It was something that he should be dealing with. Absolutely. Yeah. And as a keeper myself, I cringed a little bit and I saw that I'm seeing the ball bounce around the box. And once you get the ball not bounce around the box, anything can happen. And Antonio being the poacher that he is, and he's, he, he, he was right there in the right position and one, one. Yep. Uh, now then, Tim, the, the moment that came shortly after uh, the Broya incident, the penalty, what did you think of this one? It was a correct call. Yeah, so, I mean, looking, went down early. looking back at it now, I'd say so. But when I saw it in real time, I didn't think it was a penalty. That I mean, I mean, I certainly didn't see them overturning it when they, when he when he went over to look at the monitor. But my argument was this, right? That I think Broya could have got a shot away, but he chose to hold on to the ball because he knew that Dawson was going to make that tackle. Um, and it just seemed that he was more interested in trying to get the penalty rather than try his luck with a shot. But having said that. Dawson's taken him down, tripped him up, and it's the right decision. At the yeah, end of it, absolutely. at the end of it, justice was done. We we scored a goal from it. Mm-hmm. But I just would yeah, have liked to have seen him try to, to maybe get a shot off. Yeah, and the I guess the theme the theme with refs though is that if you're able to get a shot off, the the play is clear. So to me, Broya did what he should have done, and Dawson was an idiot first. So let's just. Let's take Broya's out of the equation. You can't go down in the box like that, especially when you're trailing and Broya's the first, last man on goal. 
Uh, you couldn't do that. If you did, if he did that outside the box, it would have been a red card. Red card, yeah. Uh, it would have been a red card, but it was only because he was in the box to get a yellow card and a penalty kick. So, uh, double, I believe it's double jeopardy. Mm-hmm. Is they don't, they didn't want to, uh, punish him for, bo- uh, in both situations. So to me, uh, he took him down. It probably wasn't as much contact as it realized. And that's probably why you're seeing it, um, especially if you're, watching it live, but from watching it from the TV angles, it looks like he definitely caught him enough to get him down, and uh, it was the the right call. So thank you for Mariner to overturn your own decision, and that's what VAR is supposed to do, is to give them the extra emphasis that anything, any decision that they can make like that, and be the willingness to overturn themselves, uh, it's the right call. So 2-1. Yeah, absolutely, and I guess Mariner thought the same as me. You know, albeit he was a little bit closer, but I just thought, yeah, maybe it wasn't. And then seeing the replays, I thought, yeah, okay, that, that he needs to overturn that. Still didn't think he would because you know he's a proud ref; they all are. But uh, he did, so yeah, well done for that. Um, and the penalty, Tim, I couldn't watch. <laughs> nervous. I mean, even though I predicted the game would go to penalties anyway, and I thought if I'm feeling this nervous over this, what's it going to be like when there's five to take? But um. Yeah, emphatic, right down the middle, and you know you can always rely on James Ward-Prowse. There was like I think it was 2019 or 2020. There was a sequence of four that he he only made two of them. Yeah, the four. So <laughs> a little, I was a little more concerned than we than we think we are. But the last uh, the last few that he's taken, he's just absolutely smacked them. Uh, he goes for power. He's got a little curve to it, and he figured that Ariola, and hopefully did his research that Ariola. Uh, knew that he was going to dive. It is a brave one, though, isn't it? Because if the keeper stays, then you look like an idiot. Mm-hmm. But uh, last week, I gave compliments to Ariola. He didn't play very well. Uh, I think that his positioning on the pro screamer was a little off. I think he should have been off his line a little bit more. Uh, based to be on fair, where he was at. to defend him, though, it was curling away from him a bit. I think that had a little bit of movement in it, and it was going away from him more and more as it got closer to him. Yeah, there's that, and then I feel like his positioning, but he had, there was a couple punches that he had that were just absolutely fantastic, and so uh, last year, it w- would have been one of Ward-Prowse's best uh, opportunities for a free kick when he was playing for Fulham, uh, if you remember that in the 0-0 over Christmas, go watch, go go circle yeah, back, go find it, the highlights, yeah. unbelievable, I mean, Ward-Prowse could not have placed it any better, and Areola had, had it right there, it was Unbelievable save! It was probably the best save that I've ever seen against a Ward Prowse uh, Ward Prowse free kick. Yeah, but that probably is thankfully the best he save wasn't I've ever on, seen. on his form in this game. We can we can be thankful for that. Um, but like, more nerves from then out. Well, from my point of view, anyway. I don't know how you guys were at home, but um, there was more corners that concerned me than and Caballero had to make a great save against Dawson. Um, but then you know, deep deep in stoppage time, the the the, the uh, uh, fourth official puts up, was it seven minutes that we had? Seven minutes. This is going to be, I'm going to be a bag of nerves from here out. I just want this whistle to go. I just want this to be over and done with. But then Armando Broya with the most Broya-like goal ever. Just, you know, ball stuck to his feet. His strength, his balance, his poise, his skill. He dropped the shoulder on the cat kicker and he buried it in the bottom corner to still have a quarter final spot. So, yeah, amazing goal from Broya. Uh, absolute 
solid play of individual uh, achievement there. Uh, give want to give a little bit of props to Adam Armstrong, who is not the biggest of guys, and was able to box out uh, and be able to get get the deflection off that got Broya the ball. That's right. So. I mean, I saw that, and I thought that was Broya straight away, even though there's a bit of difference in height because he was crouched down and leaning on him. Um, and to, to show some strength there to get the ball to him was, um, yeah, uh, good stuff. I, I, I agree with you there, Tim. He needs a lot of, um, a lot of props for that. It wasn't so much strength, but his positioning was perfect. It was absolutely perfect there. And once you get the ball at Brody's feet, anything that can happen. And it's been absolutely fantastic ride seeing Brody play. Uh, don't know what's going to happen at the end of it all, but, uh, seeing such a clinical finish uh, is not something that you see often uh, as Southampton. So having him in the lineup has been absolutely wonderful. Uh, been a pleasure to watch, and I'm just going to try to enjoy the ride for him while he's here. Yeah, and I have a feeling it's only going to be this season because I think that Tuchel is going to price Saints out of this deal. He is going to command a lot of money for him now. We get to speculate later uh, later this season. <laughs> I'm calling it early. I'm calling it early. Um. Stats, Tim. Very close, as the as the stats would suggest. We had 48% possession, 12 shots versus their 11. Um, both of us had four on target. So looking at all that, that's a very, very satisfying result, you know, 3-1 against, the, you know, the, the stats that were completely even. Yeah, a couple of things that uh, that really set it off to me were, one, uh, the amount of corners. They had seven corners, so no, no wonder why you were nervy the yeah. entire game. <laughs> Uh, that's com- completely nervy. And then secondly is, uh, let's talk about Ralph Subs real quick going in. Uh, two subs, uh, with Janepo coming out. And while I thought he actually had some really good two-way play, uh, he, he definitely looked rusty. He definitely looked out of confidence. And I don't, I think this might be his last year with us, unfortunately. Um, I'm glad you brought him up actually, because I do want to discuss him a little bit. Um, a lot of fans were giving him a lot of stick in this game and then saying that, you know, he, he, he can't even walk anymore, let alone run. He's just lost. He's just, his confidence is just gone. He said, so his coverage, uh, why, in, if you look at who scored, um, he, he, he has a higher, he has a higher amount because uh, he had a couple do, good prog- uh, possession progressions where he took it from the final third into the, the, the first third into the final third. Um, and then he's, he came back and covered uh, a decent amount there with Perot. Uh, I think I talked about earlier this season how they're able to speak French on the side, and I hope that, hope that connection uh, was an opportunity for them to be able to connect. And thinking that could have been our starting uh, starting per- person with Armstrong on the other on the right side. The other opportunity is to talk about is Redmond getting back in. He's been out for a little while. And good to see him get some progression. Hit an amazing hit there mm. that Ariola had to save. So uh, being able to have him, and if there's a need with Moy or Armstrong getting out, uh, just wanting the opportunity to rotate back in and solidify his place back in as a quality squad member, whether it be starting or on the bench, coming off the uh, coming off and providing that extra spark. It was a nice little cameo for him. Man of the match for you, Tim. Uh, easy for me, Perot. Mm. Uh, it's going to be Perot. Uh, absolute screamer hit, playing the entire game. Absolutely fantastic overall. I think he shut down Ben Johnson on the left. I thought there was nothing progression. I thought Bowen uh, did not do much at all. I didn't see him in the fray, even though he played the entire 90. I wasn't scared of him. Well, Something I mean, he, start, he started the game okay. He had a couple of chances early on, but, yeah, then just faded from from, the, from our 1-0 lead. Yeah, obviously the goal um, – 
he took a yellow car when he needed to. Uh, just overall, I think uh, he I call him the Mighty Mouse. He's got the same stature as Jared and Shakiri, but maybe a little less cube like. Uh, being a guy from Chicago, watching the Chicago Fire, great to see him. Uh, see him on uh, on the fire itself, and then that screen that absolute screamer hit just pure class. Uh, if you take a, if you caught the MLS highlights last night, Efren uh, Alvarez hit an absolute screamer eerily similar. And I was like, that's the pro hit. And it silenced the Charlotte FC fans, 75,000 in attendance last week. Um, but quick play for the MLS. Ultimately, remain pro. Great job. Uh, keep it up. And you are an absolute hit as a signing in the offseason. Nice. I like it because to me, it was going to be either pro or Broya. Um, because you've gone Perot, I'm going to go Broya. Um, even though he only played 45 minutes, I think, you know, he, he won the penalty and he got that clincher. So, uh, yeah, big, big reason why we won this game is because of, of Broya. So I'll give it to, to him. Yeah, I would have, I would have gave it to him if, uh, if for the quality of play, uh, if he had it over the, the length of the 90 minutes. But I think overall Perot made a, a bigger impact, uh, in that 90 minutes than Broya did in the 45. Ultimately, can't can't go wrong either way. Well said, yes. Um, and then, of course, the bad bad game that we had on Saturday yesterday, Aston Villa at Villa Park. Just, I mean, I don't want to talk about this one, but I guess we have to. Um, I'm going to start off by saying that you know the yellow and blue scarves that were uh, left on the uh, the seats for the travelling fans at Villa Park. That was a lovely lovely touch from the club there. Absolute class. Uh, it just happened to be a nice coincidence that we were wearing a yellow and blue aways. And I believe we were denied the opportunity to wear them at home against West Ham as yeah, well. That's correct. But yeah, so, knew, knew we'd be wearing them here. The, the starting 11, Tim, no such drama with the 11 here. It kind of just picks itself, doesn't it? But apart from the, you know, the two forced changes from the defeat of Norwich. Uh, still no Salisu with that hamstring concern. And Kyle Walker Peters also missed the start due to that slight hamstring problem as well from the midweek cup tie. He would actually come on on the 58th minute anyway, but that was the reason why he didn't start. But otherwise, I mean, the, the 11 is set in stone at the moment, isn't it? Pretty damn close to it. Although you can kind of play off the who's going to be the fullbacks. You've got three for two. So between Livermento, KWP, and Perot. Now. With, the, with the injury, yeah, it was kind of forced, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. So to me, uh, I feel comfortable with all three of them in either any of the in the two positions. Me too, which is great because in stark contrast to last season when we never had any. So uh, yeah, this is this is a good good problem as we've said so many times before. Uh, but going into this one, then on, on a massive high, I and mean, only Wolves has defeated us in this calendar year. Um, Che Adams, incidentally, making his 100th appearance for Saints um, and returning to Birmingham and being the subject of the booze. Uh, but, Tim, th- this was just pure awful. It was It's difficult to put into words how I'm feeling about it still. You know, I thought by this point I'd be able to, you know, let it settle down a little bit and I'll be able to explain it a little bit more. But I still can't explain it. You know, no one expected this, not even Villa. I mean, out of all our discord, you know, the wives and the guys that are involved with the show, no person had had a Villa win. You know, with the confidence that we're playing at right now, this it's just a punch in the gut. Defensively, absolutely shocking. We had absolutely nothing going forward and an XG of 0.7. One shot on target. It's just a very, very bad day at the office. And it, it kind of coincided with Villa just turning it on, and that's what, that's the result of it. Reality comes crashing in, and I'm definitely curbing my enthusiasm after this loss. I think we all have to now, and, and especially with what we're doing next week as well. But where do we start 
here. I guess, you know, I guess we're going to have to discuss the failings of Jack Stevens, you know, allowing Ollie Watkins to turn him uh, with ease and slot at her past Forster for the opener. That was just early and set the tone. Yeah, he got caught off guard because he thought Watkins was going to trail. He was just going to let the ball run and roll with it, so he wanted to get a jump on it. Well, he turned, stopped on a dime, twisted in, and all of a sudden he has a free, you know a shot on goal. Forster realized that, came out, tried to close down the play, and got a hand on it and got got big, got a hand on it like you're supposed to as a, as a keeper. Um, but it just kind of uh, set the tone for the rest of the game. Yeah, and I feel for Forster because he was doing his job really well. He had nine shots on target, but only saved five of them. And those five, some of those were outstanding. Um, but, you know, you still concede four. Um, and the second goal from Douglas Louise was just too easy. And you know, I thought we were going to be saved by the offside flag. Um, but, you know, not a chance looking back at it. And, and like you said at the, at the top of the show, every attack that Villa had, they looked like they could do something from it. And they just, yeah, they just ripped apart our back line of that second goal. Just easy. Over the top, inside, bang. No movement, just not interested. It was beautiful. Uh, I mean, is it, in terms of a in terms of a soccer play, that was it, it was great. Callum Chambers, I didn't realize he had that in him when it came to over the top. Coutinho making the runs, that's what they exactly signed him for. Douglas Louise, of all people, to be able to score, uh, that's the crazy thing. I think he was he was up there, he was up higher because uh, it was just recently a corner kick. Um, I would expect him actually be one of the people sitting back on the corner kicks. Uh, just mm. uh, to me, I think this is what Villa is to be expected of with all of their new signings and their flair and the money that they're putting into it. Uh, this is the app. This is the. Uh, this is this is what they are wanting for. This is what they are hoping for. This is what they are expecting. Ings, Watkins, Coutinho, McGinn, Ramsey coming up. Uh, you know, more power to them for being a, such a great team. But as much as they were good, we were shit. Yeah, it's difficult to take anything away from Villa because they were so dominant in all facets of the game. But at the same time, our back line was just appalling and we just let them play. And that's, I mean, Coutinho could have had a hat-trick in that first half. And then, you know, that one right at the end, it was just, that was after the second when they were allowed to be split open. They go and do it again. Coutinho gets a one-on-one with Forster. I, I mean, I've never seen so many chances created from a team. And I don't mean in disrespect to Villa, but they're, I, they're not a great side. Let's face it, they're not. They're going to be patchy at best for the rest of the season. But when they turn it on, they turn it on. And we've seen that. This is this is the max in which yeah. they're going to be able to be expected to play. Uh, to me, uh, we just finally we just finally got shit and just couldn't <laughs> couldn't do much more. Couldn't ki- couldn't connect on anything. Sixty two percent of the possession though we had sixty. It felt like we were good. We felt like we were moving. It felt like we were progressing, but there was no chances for clinical finishes. Tyrone Mings has just bossed everybody around. I mean, they even made Ashley Young look good of all people, and he's not even that great. It's- yeah, that's crazy, isn't it? That's crazy. And with a, with an XG that we got, showing that seeing a lot of the ball and, and and not doing anything with it, it's 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 worrying. But at the same time, it's one game. You, you you can't get bogged down with this, and it's you know you you, you know you conceded four. You've only lost the chance of getting three points. You move on and, and go on the next one. Uh, Ralph at halftime, tough tough job for him because you know you're two 0 down. That the game's still within reach, but the way you're playing and the way that Villa are playing, you know they could easily double this. So he takes Elianusi off. He brings Valerie on, changes shape, goes to a back five. I mean, do you agree with that? Because I mean, he had to do something, didn't he? Stop. stop yeah. 
Absolutely. In his, in his post-game comments, he was talking about how they lost shape. Uh, you know, going into that second goal, they truly felt like he, he, they lost it. So he wanted to get Valerie back in and they were fortunate enough just to even hold it. You go two zero going into it. Forster made a couple good saves there. One on Coutinho that, um, a big man, six seven, just able to draw, drag the feet out. Um, something I looked at and hopefully use in my rec league coming forward, uh, is kind of just getting big, but. Uh, yeah, we lost the shape. It was bad. And getting back into that back five, Valerie came in and helped solidify some things, and he was able to progress, do a little bit of progression. Uh, but ultimately, it was just shit. Yep. And uh, Coutinho eventually found the net. Deserved it, I suppose. It, but it's laughable, really, because the comedy of errors leading to that. I mean, Perro giving the free kick away doesn't stay switched on. They're allowed to play. They've got so much space in that final third. We allowed them even with the five at the back, and then they've just, you know, Coutinho's just allowed to, to score with time. Yeah, he, he, he basically needed to bring Walker-Peters in, so as much as I want to give uh, Perot props for the game against West Ham, uh, it was not, he, he had one of his worst games, uh, if not his worst game so far as a Saint uh, this week. So yeah, bringing yeah. Walker-Peters in, even with a doubt, yeah, maybe retrospectively, I looked at um, Man of the Match for the first game and thought because of his performance in this Villa game, I can't really give him the Man of the Match in the West Ham. Maybe that was go- that was on my mind. Not intentionally, but it was. Um, the fourth goal then goes in, and it's, it's that man, isn't it? Danny Ings, Judas. Uh, so much space. And it's it's so very hard to explain how bad they were here. And still, I mean, in, <laughs> he's got so much time. It's like, it's like they don't know who he is. You cannot give a striker as good as Danny Ings that much time and space in the box. No one's around him whatsoever. It's so hard to, to, to just look at this defence that's been solid recently and just think, what are you doing there? Somebody surely has to watch Danny Ings. There's nothing more to say uh, to me. It's just it was it was just atrocious all around. And I'm not, I don't want to call it a free hit and say, hey, let's walk away from it because this was a one zero and we quit, we weren't finishing and. They didn't look as good. They looked fantastic overall. Uh, a drubbing is a drubbing. You got to take it and, and just hope for hope for the best next game. I guess I could take it a little bit more if it was against Liverpool or Man City, but when it's against against Aston Villa, one of your rivals in the league, it's just um, so so hard to take. And it's just. But I'll leave you with this nugget: that Danny Ings has scored more goals at Villa Park for Saints than he has for Villa. I think Coutinho, I think Coutinho was great. I think if you if you're wide open like we were, and then you know players with his class. They're going to destroy you, and, and, and that's exactly what happened. But what, what do you put it down to, Tim, overall? Was it, you know, tiredness? Was it complacency? Villa being more up for it? Salisu not being there? We haven't really talked about that. I mean, if, if he had been there, would we, would we have lost by such a, such a margin? I think we would have held off their attacks, and his interceptions would have would have stifled them a little bit more. I still think we would have lost this game, but I think we, could have, we would have lost this game closer to 2-0 than we would have lost it to 4-0. So tiredness, complacency, what's the uh, a combination? A combination of everything because it just feels like we were disjointed and then all of a sudden deflated going into the 60th, 65th minute and there, there was no coming back. Once you, once you got that uh, third goal in, it was just, there was just no more. And I mean, it, I, it doesn't really help that you can see the goal within nine minutes. It's, um, if they have, had have held out for a little bit longer and created some chances early on, then it might have been, you know, it could have turned out like that West Ham game did. It's, it's just that, that first goal kind of killed us, even though Villa deserved it. You know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what else to, how else to justify this performance. And 
the partnership of Bednarik and Stevens. That that didn't work, did it? It's clearly that that that's, that's not a, a partnership going forward. Yeah, we just gotta hope Salisu comes back and see see what he can do. Realizing that with him being out, uh, it, it, it's tough. And I want to co- I wanted to come into this game and talk about and provide some cool stats and, and tell you and tell you a little bit why we lost today. But I just can't do it because overall it just feels like. It was attitude as much as it was on top of everything else. We just finally got tired and it, it hit us, hit us too hard. Yeah, the game was just a disaster from start to finish, wasn't it? There's, um, I mean, you could say that we were due a loss. You could say it's a free hit, whatever. It's just hard to take because, you know, we have been red hot and you feel if we were going to lose, it was going to be a closer one, I guess. And, but this one really wasn't. It, it makes it harder or to take or to understand. Villa just dominated, and if it wasn't for Fraze, then, you know, it could have been a hell of a lot more. Um, we have been great recently, but, you know, you can't win them all. And it's it's also very easy to point the finger, say that Salisi was missing. You know, this, that's a big part of it, sure. Um, that's not saying that, you know, if Salisi were, were present, then we would have won this game. I just think, you know, it might not have been 4-0. Probably a little bit of complacency, like you said. And if I'm honest, I, I expected that against Norwich. Uh, but on the bright side, you know, moving forward, we can't afford to be complacent next week. And we need to have that backlash against Newcastle and, and Watford. And you feel that everybody's going to be more eager to get, you know, to right the wrongs. Uh, you know, it's one game. It's over. Let's move on. You know, there are worse things going on in the world right now. So, but yeah, the, the stats, Tim, outdone in all areas, you know, 62% possession, you say. That's. That's crazy, isn't it? It really is. It's just not good enough. It shows that we can't do anything in the final third. 11 shots to their 14, but we only had one on target, and that was um, Shay Adams caught, uh, forcing the save from uh, Martinez. And they had nine shots on target. So, so yeah, it's um, the stats don't lie. The score doesn't lie. Villa deserved it. Well done, Villa. Let's move on. Um, man of the match, Tim. I'll go first this one. This is easy, right? It, it seems crazy that when you let in four, you're a man of the match. But, you know, that is what it is. And, you know, it has to be Fraser Forster. Um, would have been much worse without him. Five saves, as, a, five saves, as I said, and some of them were uh, were outstanding. Yeah, you can't really give it to anybody. <laughs> Forster, yeah, you could you could definitely make I mean, when you make five saves, on uh, that's... That's usually a, a usually a good sign that you're playing well, but also a bad sign that your defense is lacking. The only other person that you see had decent amount of progression going forward, and uh, any sort of movement was Livermento. Are you giving it and, to Livermento? I'm going to give it to Livermento uh, just as a just as as an opportunity to spice things, change things up. Okay, I like that. Um, Tim, next week we uh, we head to. Well, no, we're at home. We go back home. Uh, the fortress that is uh, St. Mary's against Newcastle and Watford. This is Klaus Lundekvam, and you are listening to In That Number. Okay, then, we're back with our previews for next week. Um, this is a, an important bounce-back game against Newcastle. Um, this is Thursday, the 10th of March, 7.30 kickoff, Newcastle home. But, Tim, this won't be easy. I don't think it's going to be easy anyway, as much as, as, as what Saints fans would like to tell you. Um, good run of form for Newcastle right now. They're undefeated since December the 19th, um, and that was against Man City. Uh, so a big, big effort needed to stop this run of theirs. It's going to be tough. And Ralph was a, 
I think this was a while back. He was talking about how he didn't want to have the new signings play in the in the in the rematch game that was going to be done because this is a uh, a changeover game from COVID that was delayed from 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 January. Mm-hmm. So seeing that uh, Eddie Howe's done a fantastic job and he solidified the team. Uh, he's basically secured themselves a non-relegation spot and winning four of their last five, only tying West Ham. And the last, and yesterday he played against Brighton. Uh, then they just, they played really, really well at the beginning, finally held back in to solidify a 2-1 win. And overall, congrats, you won the Saudi Arabia PIF money. So <laughs> that's, if that was a derby that was hoping for, congratulations, you won. Lots of signings in January. You've got Bruno, I can't pronounce his last name, Guimaraes, uh, Chris Wood, uh, Trippier. Then they had Dan Byrne and Matt Target coming in. Um, but let's talk about Ryan Frazier. He was nominated for man, uh, man of the, uh, player of the month. Well deserved. He played under Eddie Howe in Bournemouth and he had some great moments of complete uh, success and looked really, really good. Uh, he had that entire, he's had a fantastic month and Oh, jeez. I mean, he also had a goal and assist against Brighton. So it's only continuing here into March and to think about, well, who, you know, who is the person that we need to stop? ASM didn't even start against Brighton last week. So now that they have Frazier on point, uh, they've decided that they want to dump Almiron. And while he does a lot of good things, he doesn't play well. Uh, he doesn't score. You know, he, he's not good going forward. Um, they've got Joel Willick mixing things up. Callum Wilson's been out. So he, you know, uh, geez, just, there's just so many things that you can look at and say, everything is going, everything's going to be up for them. Recently, they've been playing with that 4-2-3-1, fluid movement. Uh, they've brought Joe Linton back and that's been an absolute, uh, great, uh, great show for them, uh, as he's changed things up and really been able to solidify that, uh, CDM 6-8, Hybrid and that, uh, the back of the two in the 4-2-3-1 or in a 4-3-3 rotating into a 6-8 position. Who would have thought? I mean, I don't think he was still worth the 40 million that they signed him for, uh, but props to him for rejuvenating within a new manager. It shows that the right player can fit in within the right manager system. Overall, it's going to be a scary game. Not sure what to expect, but they are going to do all of what they can to continue on with their hot streak and what about us you know how are we gonna how are we gonna set up against them oh geez you might have a full some fullback rotation you might have some uh the 10 uh the inside forward 10 rotation with either armstrong or moy and then you might have some forward rotation uh who knows i really hope salisu's back that's the that's the one we're hoping out for um really it's been crazy to think about uh i know lianco's been out he's going to be out for potentially the rest of the season who knows what's going on with Tella? Haven't really heard much about him. Uh, and then also McCarthy. What's gonna, you know, what's gonna continue on with that? I, I just, I don't know. Uh, especially with this as being the Thursday game and then Watford being a Sunday game, uh, you might see some of the sim- similar rotation that Ralph did. Uh, not as much though, uh, with the, with West Ham on the Wednesday and then, uh, Villa on the Saturday. Uh, I think this is gonna be a good opportunity for somebody like Shane Long to step up. Uh, maybe you might get Gineppo again. Uh, let's hope we don't get Walcott in. Don't want him. Uh, or, but most likely, I think this is a chance for maybe Redmond to step in for uh, and start over Moy. Yeah, I agree with you there. I'm hoping that. 
I'm hoping this happens. Um, you said it's going to be an unpredictable one, um, but I'm going to ask you for your prediction now. Uh, I think we're going to lose two one. Ouch! Wow. Um, I didn't expect that to be honest. That would be shocking. I think I don't. I don't think I can handle another another loss, back to back losses, especially against Newcastle. I'm going to go the reverse there. I'm going to say we we overcome them, and I think we win two one. Uh, and Gemma is um, she's obviously doing her usual and going for a nil nil. Uh, but what about Abby? What's she doing? One one one. Okay. Yes, I can see that too. I can see a draw. I just don't want to see anything but a loss then, to be honest. Um, it would be nice to get to get the, um, get the three points over them for sure. Um, and then, of course, we have another game at home, uh, home fortress, as I said. Uh, Watford fighting for their lives down there with Norwich. Um, both probably facing the drop now. Um, but, they, you know, they've they just got a very good point at Old Trafford last time out. And But before that... 4-1 loss at home to Palace. Um, a win at Villa Park, which is very difficult, as we all know. 2-0 loss to Brighton. 1-0 loss to West Ham. But the biggest kick for them was losing 3-0 at home to Norwich. And, we, you know, we have to look at, uh, to be beating them comfortably here. With six points in the week, you know, that Villa game will be forgotten, surely. <laughs> that is correct. Uh they are currently sitting 19th. They're likely to go down this year, and they're on their third manager with Roy Hodgson. So isn't that what we expected with them, right? Yep. Yeah, they just go through managers like we do points. <laughs> uh, so what's going right? Uh, they got rid of Dini, and I think Emmanuel Dennis has been a fantastic signing from Club Bruges. Beyond that, not a whole lot. Yeah, Ismail Assar has been injured for a lot of it, hasn't he? Um, he's a massive, massive player for them. Yeah, and Josh King has also been injured here and there. So uh, with King, with Dennis and Saar, who they both had, they all three of them started against Manchester United, which is their most recent game. They're playing here against Arsenal starting in 15 minutes. Um, crazy to think about, but uh, let's see what happens. Uh, way back when, uh, Hodgson ran a 4-5-1 consistently with a focus on defense for the years that he, uh, that he coached Palace. Uh, well, there's nothing really special about them now. They gave up four goals against Palace and all the other ones. He's either had one or two goals or the 0-0, zero, zero, uh, which is apparently easy to do against United now. <laughs> so their attack, uh, like I said, it comes from Josh King, Ismail Sar, Emmanuel Dennis. Uh, those are tough guys. Those are really going to be the focus and see what's going to happen with our defense to slot up against them. They also well, have... I'm looking at their lineup now against Arsenal. As you say, they play in 15 minutes' time, and they've gone for Cuco Hernandez, Emmanuel Dennis, and João Pedro in a 4-3-3. And they've got Luzer, Suzoko, and Cleverly in that three-man midfield. So no Saar again, not even on the bench. So he must be must be injured. Yeah, and looking at that bench, it's just like no, you know, Backman, Cabaselli, Kalu, Kayembe, Kuchka, Sema. No, there's there's nothing there. That, that that's a championship side, isn't it? Yeah, Musa Sissoko uh, is, has come in and has been slotted right in as their captain. Uh, Tom Cleverly and Craig Cathart are the only ones that might be of fame or things that I can you know names that I can recognize right off the bat. And that mostly comes because of Cleverly's time at United and been as a rotation player for Watford when they were in the league for uh, the last few years. And then Craig Cathcart also started for them multiple times. And also Man United X. That is correct. And then Ben Foster, who... Also Man United for, X. <laughs> yes. Yes, as well. So uh, those are the names that you're going to recognize. I expect them to, I expect those um, 
uh, expect them to play back and try to uh, sit back especially and hit us on the counter. Uh, they're going to look at the Villa tape and say uh, they can do it. They're going to try and give us possession, recognize that we can't uh, we can't uh, we can't finish, uh, we can't be clinical. And it scares me because I genuinely think that they're going to literally watch the entire Villa game and say, that's exactly what we're going to do. And they're going to try and counter and hopefully grab a point off of us. Uh, ultimately, uh, the scary people are going to be their attack. Uh, and then what's our lineup going to be? Uh, maybe KWP is once again going to sit out if he's got, if he was a doubt last game and they might rotate him back in for the Sunday game. Uh, I'm hoping Solis is hopeful, and and then we'll see how the injuries shake up, uh, and also against the the Newcastle, how their what that rotation is. So super hard to predict us. We'll see what happens. Uh, and score prediction from you? One zero win. Oh, you're going for a low scoring win. I am going to take a three one home win. I think we're going to. I think Ralph's going to demand instant success in this game, and I think they're going to just go at them straight away, and I think it's going to be too much for Watford. And, yeah, I think a nice, comfortable home 3-1 win. I want them to get a, I want them to get a clean sheet here. This is this is what's really needed even more so than the attack, um, which is crazy to think about because I think we're not, we're not clinical enough. Uh, but these are the teams we should not – we should be blanking against them. Yeah, there's always a corner. Which is ultimately what's going to happen. Um, Gemma is going for a nil-nil again, of course. Um, and what about Abby? She's going with a 1-1. One, one. Oh, she's going 1-1 one, one both games. Okay. Hi, I'm Matt Letizier, and thank you for listening to In That Number. Okay, then, extra time period, then. We'll, uh, we'll start with the predictions. Taking both games into account from last week, the scores now are... Alex is at the back on 25. You are five points clear of him on 30. Um, I'm on 37, and Kevin still has the lead on 45. But we did really bad in the week because we all predicted us to beat um, Aston Villa. And I think we were the only ones that didn't get any points all week because we went for a draw um, after extra time. Um, Wife Wars. uh, Again, pretty much a similar story. Nobody predicted a Villa win. Uh, Gemma and Abby are both on 24. Uh, Caitlin is on 30, but Marina is going ahead now on 37. So uh, still still very close. Um, Discord, yes, uh, Alex has the lead with 15, actually joint top with Scott. Uh, then it's me on 13 with Tony M, also on 13. Kevin has 12, you're on 11, Colt on 10, Tony A on 8, along with not very slim Jim, and the newcomer Fred still at the back on 2. Uh, Super 6 then, round 42 was won by Kevin Byrne with 9 points and the overall lead still with Tom Hennigan on 346 uh, Tim, fantasy football, have you been checking your team out this, this week? Yeah, so I am the person to blame for our loss because I captain Ward-Prowse I was thinking he was going to do great mm-hmm. and it was literally choosing between Coutinho and between Ward-Prowse and I went with the Ward Prowse play, let's say I'm going to be a home. I took the homer pick, and boy, was I wrong. That's shocking. Well, I've had a shocking week, Tim. I'm on 13 points. Absolutely awful. And worse still, do you know what I did? I captained Raul Jimenez because they've got a double game week, uh, and he scored me a grand total of two points. And I got Ivan Tony on the bench, who scored a hat trick. So I got 17 points on the bench, and my team has got 13 in total. Oh. 
I, I started cool. Livermento and I've got Ward Prowse as my captain. So I do have Tony though on the field. I'm sitting on 38, average is 32 at the moment. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll see how it shakes out and, uh, Den- and you've got Emmanuel Dennis here coming up for two, uh, with two games. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna beat me, I'm sure. Um, in that number podcast league is Why Me, Why Not by David Phillips, uh, still top. Uh, Magical Saints, Bob, uh, Bobby Brown's uh, nemesis is in third place still. Um, the Podders League, where are you in the Podders League? Have you dropped? I'm fourth. You are fourth. Yeah, you are. You're doing all right. You're sitting. I'm, I've gone down to ninth, which is um, appalling. I had the worst score in the week, which isn't isn't surprising. Kevin uh, fifth. He's he's you know mid table. He's doing all right. He's getting closer, but um, Kev's only, Kev only got 24 points this week, so he's not having a very good one. But I see that he has got a lot of players in double game weeks. He's, he's got Emmanuel Dennis, obviously, who's got to score today. I mean, having said that, Tim, I've got a lot of players that still need to score. A lot of my team are playing today. Yeah, a lot of them. I've got Foster to play two games. I've got Kyle Walker. I've got Reggion. I've got uh, Cody and Walker-Peters to have another game. I've got Rafinha to have another game. I've got uh, Ward-Prowse to have another game. I've got Fernandez today. And I've got Jimenez and Breyer to have another game. So I don't think I'm going to end on 13. Yeah, you're, you're sitting, you're sitting on the back end of the week. So you're, you'll, you'll, you'll pick it up back up and hopefully Foster has to field off 30, uh, 30 saves and <laughs> gets you some points. Yep, there's, there's hope. You had, had the idea of a southern phrase. Do you have a southern phrase for me? The southern phrase is fixing to. There's definitely a lot of uses that you can use for it. Um, there, oftentimes, it's you're getting ready to do something. Uh, you're getting ready to go to the store. You're getting ready to uh, cook a meal. You're about to do something, whatever it might be. Have uh, a shit. Fixing to. Yeah, have shit. There you go. I'm fixing to do, enter in, whatever you – I'm fixing. I'm fixing. I've never heard that. So you'd say I'm fixing to go to the shop? Yep. That's weird. I'm, what are you fixing? I'm fixing to hit you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fixing to hit you. Yeah, I've never heard of it like that. Or you can even have a contracted version of it, and that's finna. I'm finna. Oh, yeah, I've heard that, actually. Okay, uh, a reminder, then, if you appreciate what we do uh, and you feel you'd like to buy us a pint, then please head to buymeacoffee.com forward slash in that number. Uh, you can also sign up to be a member uh, and join our tiers for beers and pick the one that best suits you. So, yes, don't forget to check that out. Um Next week, uh, we will bring you our thoughts from both Newcastle and Watford, uh, and we'll bring you our preview of our quarterfinal home tie against Man City. Um, and we'll discuss the remaining fixtures as the season will be heading into April. Uh, so until next week, up the Saints. Up the Saints. Up the Saints. Up the Southampton. Podcast Network.